Well, once again, it's great to have you here, and thank you so much for making the effort to be here. Thank you, those came from Halifax, thank you for making the effort uh, to get here. We're thrilled that you were able to come, and I'm going to try to pull together some of the things that uh, we have been looking at for the whole weekend and then moving forward, and as has been said many times, we have a church, we as a church have received over the years, and I was trying to go back, I try to keep um, a record of uh, different prophetic words and different things that we've received as a church that for us to test and to weigh. And so we have almost 18 years now uh, worth of things that have been spoken that we've uh, tested and pondered and tried to pray into. And over the years, this uh, scripture from Isaiah 54 has come through probably the most out of all scriptures that we have uh, received and people have prayed and that different times have spoken out more than any other one. So it does get our attention, and that's uh, as we've been wrestling through the last several months for us as a church about going forward. Uh, we have believed that uh, we are able to launch out for this weekend from uh, this verse about the whole thing of lengthening your cords and strengthening your stakes. And I thought it would be helpful just to briefly say that, uh, so why don't we just read that first of all. I'm not going to read uh, Becky shared yesterday the whole uh, Isaiah 54, so I'm not going to read the whole thing again, but I will read just the first couple of verses because that's what we've focused on, and then we'll give some context to it. So Isaiah speaking out, sing, O barren one who did not bear, break forth in the singing, cry loud, you have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. So one thing that we can kind of take a look at just as a quick overview starting out is. And I've had people ask us, what do you mean? We've had, in a sense, prophesied for our church Isaiah 54. Can you even take scripture from the Old Testament and what does that mean for us today? And so as we know with scripture, it's God-breathed, inspired uh, by the Holy Spirit, and he cooperated with men and men cooperated with him for us to have the written word. And with most scripture, and there's different types of, in the sense of scripture, as some is more prophetic, some is more poem, some is more narrative, some is more historical, and it's God's story throughout the whole thing of telling his plan of, for him to reveal his glory, his creation, and sin, and redemption, and buying us back, and it's an incredible story. And Isaiah is one of those ones where there was, when he was speaking it to the people, there was a context and a purpose for what he was speaking to in his day, in his culture, in his context. And with a lot of scripture, that is uh, the part. And if we, we learn scripture, we're always trying to uh, find out what we call the exegesis. What, what was God saying when it was originally written in that day, in that time of God's revelation to his people? And so there was a context, we, we would say now in the past, but in their present day, a lot of the times in Scripture, there's a future context. And in all books, Isaiah is one of those books where there's a future context to it, that some of the things spoken haven't even happened yet. And so there were things spoken, Isaiah, in his day, looking forward, that hadn't happened yet, that have happened since. And then there's things that haven't happened yet. So there's a future context to it. And then for us today, there's what we call the hermeneutics of how do we actually apply scripture today. And I won't do justice in giving explanation for all that, but I'm just trying to set the context that we believe we have permission from God to be able to use these scriptures for our day and for our time. And historically in Isaiah's day, which was, uh, scholars believe, probably about 740 BC to 681 BC was Isaiah and how he was writing. And it's interesting, and I'll just give a brief summary and see if you can understand sort of how, wow, this really relates to our day and our time. In Isaiah's time, and this goes back to our message yesterday on trust, God's people no longer trusted the promises of God, and it got them into 
trouble. And at many times, instead of relying on God for salvation, they tried to rescue themselves. And theirs was in a political, military thing. They were being attacked, and God promised that he would protect them. But instead, they tried to manipulate all these different pacts with other countries and everything to think that that was going to save them. And that's what got them into trouble. So they didn't trust God. That's the bottom line. But here's the good news. Even though they didn't trust God, which is really sin, when we don't trust God, when we don't believe God, that is sin. Thankfully, God's promises won't be defeated by sin or our unfaithfulness. And God sent Isaiah, which Isaiah means Yahweh is salvation. So what a great name, Yahweh is salvation. And Isaiah himself was chosen and purified. And I think it's excellent just to read quickly the story of Isaiah in chapter 6 about him encountering God. And I thought of it even in our worship this morning of us encountering the living God and that God is a holy God. And this is what we read and how God chose Isaiah and God purified him. And here's what we read in Isaiah 6. I'll just read it briefly. In the year that King Uzziah died, I, that's Isaiah speaking, saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, their doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here, I, here, I am, here am I, send me. Whew. And that sets the context for what God wants to do with Isaiah. When Isaiah saw God, and we experience the same thing today, when you see the living God, you say, Woe is me. I am ruined, I'm unclean, and I'm amongst the people that are unclean. And instead of a coal, God sent Jesus to purify us, to be the atonement, to pay for our sin. And after Isaiah was chosen and purified, John Piper says this, it's a great quote. Isaiah was sent to declare good news that God will glorify himself through the renewal of through the renewed and increased glory of his people, which will attract the nations. So do you see Old Testament, God's purpose for Israel? I'll read that again. After Isaiah himself was chosen and purified, he was sent to declare good news that God will glorify himself through the renewed and increased glory of his people, which will attract the nations. Sounds familiar for God's church today, doesn't it? And the context of Isaiah 53, which we're going to read, and Isaiah 54, assumes the future Jewish exile in Babylon in the 6th century as their audience, where God consoles his, his discouraged people in exile. So scholars, a little bit of a bunny trail, but some scholars think that Isaiah only wrote the first part, part of Isaiah, and the rest of Isaiah was written a couple hundred years later by a different author because the context as you go through, Isaiah is a bit of a difficult book to read because it kind of jumps around and it's not, in, it's not an orderly book, so that messes me up. <laughs> <laughs> so the second half, Isaiah, and most scholars believe Isaiah wrote the whole thing and he was speaking as he went through about what was going to happen a couple hundred years later, so that's where it can get confusing. And he's saying these things are going to happen because of our our sin, he's saying in our day, God's going to purify us, and he's going to purify us by putting us into exile. And he's talking about what's going to happen. Now, it's important to understand that because that's where we're going to pick up the story. And so when we read Isaiah 54, you have to understand the context of them reading a couple hundred years later, being in exile in a whole different land and with 
reminded me yesterday of Kenyanga sharing this, of no hope. And so God's our hope, but God's in control. And Isaiah shares the rest of the Old Testament, along with the rest of the Old Testament, a high view of the mission of God through his people. And it's important for us to understand this in our day. God had called Abraham and his family to be the vehicle by which he would bring to the whole world the blessing of knowing the one true God. And really the great tragedy of Israel was their repeated faithlessness which hid the light of God from the Gentiles. And that's as we see through the whole Old Testament. But the context of Isaiah, if we read 52, 53, 54, they're in great dire circumstances. But God has a plan. And before we can talk about Isaiah 54, we must read about Isaiah, the end of Isaiah 52 and into 53. So just trying to give a brief, and I mean, Isaiah, goodness, we could take a whole week just discussing the whole book. So forgive me for not uh, doing an expanded one, but for our time this morning, it's important just to understand God was speaking then. There are future things. God can use that word to speak to us now. God had a plan through Isaiah to be able to speak to his people, to help them get back on to the mission of God and knowing God, trusting God, and we can learn from that today. And one of the key things before we get to Isaiah 54 is just to understand Isaiah 52. And I'm going to read it this morning from the message in Eugene Peterson's uh, really paraphrase of the Bible. And sometimes this can be a familiar passage. And so I just wanted to read it from the message. And you can read it from your channel or you can just listen. And this is what comes before the beginning of Isaiah 54. So we read this. Isaiah says this. Just watch my servant blossom. Exalt it, tall, head and shoulders above the crowd. But he didn't begin that way. At first, everyone was appalled. He didn't even look human. A ruined face, disfigured past recognition. Nations all over the world will be in awe, taken aback. Kings shocked into silence when they see him. For what was unheard of, they'll see with their own eyes. What was unthinkable, they'll have right before them. Who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away, we looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him, on him. He was beaten, he was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to, the, to be slaughtered, and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. Justice miscarried, and he was led off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked, threw him in a grave with criminals, even though he'd never hurt a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it's what God had in mind all along, to crush him with pain. The plan was that he give himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come out of it. Life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it and be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones, as he himself carries the burden of their sins. Therefore, I'll reward him extravagantly, the best of everything, the highest honors, because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch, because he embraced the company of the lowest. He took on his own shoulders the sin of the many, 
he took up the cause of all the black sheep. So we see, and I love in the ESV, this is the title for Isaiah 53, the Lord's servant, the exalted sin bearer, is that Isaiah finally explains how the Holy One can bless sinful people, that all the promises of God will come true for them because the suffering and the triumphant servant removes their guilt before God by his sacrifice. And this is the good news of the gospel today, that because of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, his ascension, and today his intercession for us, the great exchange occurs. Death for life, sin for holiness, separation for in Christ, lost, found, enemy, friends, condemned, accepted, guilty, pardoned, enslaved, free, barren, fruitful. Hallelujah. That is the good news of the gospel as the great exchange has taken place. And we can't talk about being fruitful until we can understand that we were barren, that apart from Christ, we can do no good thing. In John 15, Jesus talks about, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And the good news is this, with new covenant, we can bear fruit because we are in Christ. We're united with Christ. And I wish we had more time, we could talk about Romans 7, and if you remember Don Smith, anytime he's with us, I think he fits Romans 7 into it, about we've died, and now we're married with Christ. And what we couldn't do on our own with the law to produce fruit now we're with a husband who can bear fruit. And this is what makes our current use of Isaiah 54 so encouraging, is now, as followers of Jesus, we can bear fruit, and fruit that will last, because we're united with the vine, and we are the branches. And we can bear fruit that pleases God, and fruit that will last. So that's an overview of getting to where we wanted to take a look at, that in the new covenant with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we are joined to the life-giving vine, Jesus. And as we remain in him and he in us, we can bear fruit, really like a mother of a growing family. And therefore, God commands his people, us today, to prepare joyfully for their future, to enlarge and strengthen and lengthen. And that's what we wanted to take a look at for this weekend. And just in case you weren't here um, for Friday and for Saturday, we'll just, I'll just do a brief overview, and I think it's encouraging just to review what God has done. And our whole lengthened part, we talked about that, which is, in a sense, beyond just Fredericton and beyond our local church, even though we're involved. And if you were with us in April at our family meeting, Andrew and Janet Dreisa we're able to share about what's going on in Charlottetown and our involvement there, which was an encouraging report, and that's on our website in case you missed it. It would be great for you to take a listen to, and if you've heard it, it would be great to hear it again about how God is using us to be able to help them. We heard from Reese and Sarah uh, from Vancouver on Friday night, and just a great update from them and what God's doing there and our involvement with them, and so we're thrilled with what God's doing there. We just heard this morning from Joseph and what's happening in Zambia and our connection there and building friendship and just seeing what God's going to continue to do. This is all part of our lengthen, 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 get ready. We heard from Martin and Ann yesterday, and just to say once again, Martin and Ann, it's so great to have you here, and it was so great for you to be here, and we really do pray that things work out for you to be able to come to Fredericton uh, next year, and so we just pray that that will continue to un fold and great to hear what God's doing in our partnership as well. And then, of course, this morning, hearing from Adam and Joanna, and just to say again that on Friday, June the 12th, that'll be our next family meeting on the Friday night, and 
that's, that's our night that they're going to share a bit more, and we're going to pray for them that night. So that's why I know a couple of people say, why didn't we pray for them this morning? It's like, don't worry, we've got a whole evening that we've uh, set aside, and we'll get the word out. As uh, Adam said, we're making it sort of like a baby shower, and for, so there's different things that they have requests for that we can make available um, to you, and if you want to contribute to some of those things, or financially as well, we're going to have a great time that night on June the 12th. And there's more to come, and this is the whole part of it's a continuing to get ready, and we're not sure of all the things that are going to come next. We know that we believe something's going to happen in St. John's, Newfoundland with Faro and Samu, and so we're waiting, and I love what uh, Kenyunga said yesterday, when you get to a point and you just can't do anything, we wait. I love it. It was great, <laughs> and I... We were talking, many of us were like, man, I wish I can look back and say, when I got stressed out about that, I wish I could just say, we waited. (laughs) We panicked. We stressed out. We (laughs) freaked out. We tried to fix everything. And can you, we wait. I'm going to, please, Lord, help me to remember. (laughs) So with a lot of these things, we're waiting. And we believe that we want to be prepared that when God has other things for us, and other things even here in the city that we're waiting. Now, this morning, really what I want to spend more time on is the strengthening here in Fredericton. And I'll be honest, in a lot of our feedback in the last year, probably the last two years, we felt the tension of it can seem at times that we're involved in a lot of things out there and not so much here. And sometimes it can feel that way, and sometimes that's our fault sometimes as elders because we want to try to communicate what's going on out there. And so in some ways, that can sort of seem like it's more in the spotlight or more uh, in the limelight, which isn't our heart, but we can uh, understand that. And so we have to communicate over and over again that we are here for Fredericton and we need to be a, a church that influences Fredericton. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. If we don't do it, then... Adam's going to send a team somewhere down the road from Halifax to plan into Fredericton because we're not doing what we need to be doing to reach uh, Fredericton. And we need to be a people that has a vision and a heart to reach out into Fredericton and to see Fredericton change for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the kingdom of God to come in every aspect of our lives. And we can't forget that. And it's not a, you know, we're just going to focus all on the lengthen. We're just going to focus on, because the other thing is we could just pull back and like, oh, we're just going to mind our own business and we won't get involved in anything else. We'll just, God says we're to be involved in both. So we're unashamedly, let's educate about the lengthen. Unashamedly, we need to focus on strengthening home base as well. And I believe this morning I'm going to go over uh, really four, if you can think of the pegs in a tent uh, or stakes in the tent that uh, need to be driven down even more. I'm going to cover four things. Although after last night, with Keith and John and Lee and Sebastian, we might have a fifth one of a whole, into a whole different world of the heavy metal, uh, different things. So these are four today, but we've already got maybe a fifth one added. So what I want to do is, it's a little bit of a different message because it's, it's kind of a, in one sense, updates. On the other sense, it is preaching uh, vision for what we believe God wants us to do. So it's a little bit different from a normal message in one sense. But again, I hope you understand we need to strengthen our stakes. And here's four things that we see God's hand is upon and we want to be aware of them. So this is what we're going to take a look at. So f- first of all, there is a physical in a sense, tent, we're going to take it literally, of uh, getting ready to enlarge our physical tent. And so we're really thankful to God that God has provided all the time a place for us to meet for our Sunday meetings. And we know the church isn't a building, the church is the people, and we believe it's great that we can gather together. And so uh, a lot of churches sometimes, the house church and that, they never kind of get together as a larger corporate body, we believe it's important for us to gather as a corporate body. That's why we're even here this weekend, that it's really important for the people of God to come together. And in our culture, we need a place to meet, um, especially from about October 
to the end of May, at least, because of snow and everything else, we need a physical place to meet. And over the years, I've kind of, honestly, I've kind of lost track. I think we've, I think we're, Devon Middle School might be number 17 of the places we've met since um, we've started. And as we have our own building and we've outgrown that, we had a really successful time at UMB and outgrowing that. And last year, we took that step to say, we don't know what the next step is, and we'll, we'll give the convention center a year, recognizing the cost involved in that, but we believed it was important for us to stay together. As that year came to a close, we've always tried to be in a hotel, and the Crown Plaza opened up, which was the first time in our history that a hotel was willing to give an extended time to us at just the right time. Even that was expensive, and with the Crown Plaza and with the convention center, they, they get booked up, and so we are probably looking at an average of one out of every four Sundays at either location. We couldn't be there, which then get confusing on where do we meet and people miss us. We, where are we meeting this week? We forget where we're meeting this week. And trying to get a school for many years, it never worked out. And through uh, with the city, Devon Middle worked out just as they were signing a new contract with the city. We were able to get in there at just the right timing as well, and so we believe that is God providing, and I want to thank everyone. At our family meeting, we shared that back in April, and we asked for your feedback because we had to make some decisions. Thank you. We probably got some of the most feedback we've had in a long time, which mostly was all um, positive, and so we're really helpful. That was really helpful to us because we valued. Uh, we might have had to go on there even if none of you liked it, but it was helpful when people say, no, we're, we're with you. Well, that helps as well. And we've already had one Sunday, and so next Sunday, May 31st, we'll be meeting there. We have a contract for the next year to meet there, and we've learned some things even from the first week, and we got to tweak some things, and we were a bit posh at the Crown Plaza and the Convention Center, and no offense to Devon Middle School. <laughs> there are some differences, <laughs> and uh, we'll adjust to that. And here's just one last thing on that, is we need to take good care of the school when we're in there. And so it is a different thing. And so just for us as parents, making sure our kids realize it, that we need to keep it in order and we need to keep it uh, when we leave better than when we um, found it. So just to take note of that. Otherwise, we'll, we'll be out. Um, there's just no, there's no wiggle room in there. And that's, again, a contract through the city. And so we're just thankful for God's provision for that. And we believe that's going to hopefully buy us some time to be able to put some uh, of our finances in that toward what God has for us next for a longer term. And as you know, we are able to purchase the property on Limerick Road in December. And really what we're doing now is we're, we're really praying for clarity for what God wants to do. And we have, with the help of Valerie Sensinger, who did a great job of just giving us some visuals for potential. So thanks again, Valerie, for helping us with that. It's helpful to be able to see some possibilities but I say again, we have a little asterisk there to say that we're going and saying, God, we believe, has provided this land. We're looking at things that we're going to do to build because we think that could be plan A. However, for us as an ownership team, we haven't definitively, I can't say conclusively that we've felt, we've heard from God and this is 100% what we're doing. We're more than 50 plus one, but... There is an asterisk there to say we are seeking God because we also know God might have somewhere else for us, and this could be a stepping stone if we sell the land and use the money towards something else. Do we sell our building downtown? Do we keep that? We don't have all those answers. So we wait. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so we're going to keep praying, and at our prayer meetings, we're going to keep seeking God. We're going to weigh and test some prophetic words that have come through. Either way... We need finances. And so that's why our gift day, and thanks again to everyone who helped with our latest um, gift day, we, we know we need to start saving money because no matter how that works out, it's going to require a great cost. And part of us getting ready to enlarge is we need to uh, give towards that. So you have to understand all the things that are going on with that. And part of our series, even on being understanding we have a generous God, that we can be a generous people, is we know through this process, 
And I'll say it again, the building isn't the end-all be-all, but it is important. And we want a good functional building for us and to bless the community. And it's going to require our finances. And God's going to hammer out some things on the anvil of giving for us to become more like him. And so that's part of enlarging. Here's another key thing is Fredericton in general is becoming much more multicultural and we as a church are becoming much more multicultural and we know that the nations are coming to Fredericton and I just quickly went over some of our baptisms from the past year and we've had people baptized from Malaysia, Rwanda, the Congo, Germany, Japan, China, Ontario, Nova Scotia, all parts of New Brunswick and Fredericton. Just as a And that was just off the top of my head. I didn't even go back through the, I know I'm missing some in there. But that just gives a snapshot of what's happening. And when Jeremy and Ginny were both here in April, they prophesied again about us being, uh, of the nations coming to here and Christ Central playing a part in that. Um, when Joel Virgo was here, he said an excellent message on the importance of cities and being places of influence. And if you, you know, heard Joseph Mula sharing about him going to London, to Manchester, and God using that to send them back to Zambia. We have all kinds of different ways that we know that God's going to use us humbly in a way to reach people. And even Kenyanga, I don't know about you, but I had faith yesterday to believe that he's going to be sent, I think, probably back to Burundi or whatever. He might even be prime minister by the end of it, the way <laughs> things are going. But while people are here, some people are going to settle in Fredericton and are going to help us on our journey to be an influence in Fredericton. Some are going to be here for a season, and we want to equip them, train them as best we can to be able to send, to send where they're going. And Rachel Lowe, as she shared yesterday, when Joel Virgo shared that Sunday, I came to Rachel afterwards. I said, Rachel, you are what everything Joel Virgo was talking about. You come to school not knowing Jesus think you're coming for university, but God's got you there actually to meet Jesus more than to get a degree, and now you're being sent out, uh, you're going to be at McMaster, and then we'll see what happens. Danny and Heather, same thing. You think law school, Jesus has a different plan. You got Fredericton, and wow, it's amazing, and off to Ontario this summer, and we're going to see what God's going to do with you there, but anyways, I can go on and on and on, and it's in very encouraging, and certainly for the Ahuka family, for uh, Debubba and your family, I mean, and we can go on, what a wonderful thing to see people from the body of Christ, and don't you just get a little sense when Joseph was just sharing about Zambia, uh, Tanzania, Congo, everything, you just got to think, somewhere down the road, some of these families and churches are all going to connect, and we're all going to go like, what? <laughs> it's already <laughs> happening. So here's the thing. I'll be brutally honest with you. Connecting with people from different cultures and different languages is really hard. At least it is for me. It takes me out of my comfort zone. I'm amazed that both Martin and Anne yesterday, Kenyanga, they're sharing yesterday in like their third or fourth language, which is English, and they're doing a great job. I'm like, I can barely speak in English and do, <laughs> let alone my third or fourth language. And so my encouragement to us as a church is we got to break through some cultural barriers. And a lot of them are up here, and we have to get through, I don't know if I can understand, I don't know if people understand me. Even if we don't understand each other, people understand love and reaching out and having a meal together, having people into your home, bring someone else who maybe, if other people speak a different language, who can maybe help translate some, but it's really important, hospitality and loving one another, and at some point, we just have to make the decision, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone, and I'm going to introduce myself to people who are from a different background than me, and that's my encouragement to us as a church. If we're to become more multicultural, we just don't want pockets of isolation within our church. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's hard. I'm, I'm just admitting it is hard. 
and, but it's necessary, and it's so rewarding and enriching when you do. And so can I encourage us that as we continue to move forward, and for us in Fredericton, it's not just people from the nations, English, French, First Nations is reaching out and getting out of our comfort zone. So I'll just say that. Moving right along, because time's going. Children and youth, we're so thankful for Jody Ward and helping uh, with our... Is Jody even... Jody? Selfishly, when Jody and Nathan uh, were looking to come back and uh, we knew Nathan had the potential for a job, I very selfishly prayed that, God, your will be done, but if you could bring them back to Fredericton, and that's your will, that would be even better. And uh, so we're thrilled to have them back as a family and for Jody to come in at the right time of uh, Gord moving on and everything, just the timing of that. And Jody's done a great job of really coming in and God giving her more of a vision and a strategy for making disciples with our kids in which we're really thrilled with. And there's a lot of things that are going to come and that's a real opportunity for us. So when uh, Ben and Brent came up with their life group. Uh, 24 kids in your life group? Yeah. It's like bigger than a lot of churches. And that's like one. In six years, they're all going to be in school. I know. So I'm going to get to that. Enlarge. Get ready. Prepare. So with that, here's just some things to be encouraged about and what we're trying to do to prepare because we understand this is a great opportunity and we want our kids to really engage with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and that from a young age all the way through. And so one of the things that helpful for this summer, our church was able to receive a 10-week summer grant. And so it's thrilling to, yes, I'm just making sure she's here, to announce our very own Courtney Burke will be working with us this summer. Yay! which is wonderful. So Courtney will start June 22nd, which goes to the end of August, which allows us to do some more things this summer and that we haven't been able to do in some of our past summers. And so some of the things we're looking at, we're hoping to do on Friday nights, sort of a family sports night that will be for people in our church, but also stuff to be able to invite our friends to as well, which we'll give you some more information on. We're looking at doing a couple of backyard Bible clubs, vacation Bible schools this summer and some different locations, which is, a, again, a great opportunity both for our church, but also to invite people. And we're going to need your help with those things and prayer and some workers, helpers. And Jody's going to have some sign-up sheets and different things that we can contribute to with supplies and that. And then a really encouraging thing, I think I mentioned it one Sunday that Jody's been looking into and really helping, is they have a great uh, thing at Smythe Street with um, Heidi Billington and doing a whole thing of really a leadership course for kids, mainly grade four to grade seven, that uh, Jody and I have both been viewing from afar and saying, wow, it would be great if we could do something. So Jody's been great in meeting with Heidi and actually working some with Heidi to, to learn that and looking at helping to implement that in our church um, as well. And so this autumn, we're looking the, for this summer to get some preparation done and looking into the autumn and future for a real training thing for our kids to be able to learn how to serve and how to give and how to contribute and taking on some different roles and focusing on being an influence where they are. And that's so we're really encouraged to see these things uh, come. And that leads us to Joel and Becky and Fuel and for our youth and the whole team that they're working with. And we're trying to have a whole discipleship thing right from birth, basically, uh, right on through for elementary, middle school, high school, right into university so that Keith and Tiffany can get them uh, there as well. And just some of the things that uh, Joel and Becky are looking at in their heart about uh, worship with our teenagers and bringing that more in and, and such an important thing uh, with that. And also looking at Youth Alpha and an opportunity for teens to be able to share their faith in an environment and in a context that is where they're at. So those are some of the things that we're looking for uh, in the future as well which is now, uh, so we're thrilled with what God's doing and building a team there, so praise God. And the next one, we just got a couple more, and then we want to be able to pray into these things. I'm calling it really just sowing opportunities, and in the Bible, it talks a lot about 
sowing and reaping and such a biblical thing of being able to sow. And a lot of what Adam was talking about and what looking to do in Halifax is what we mean by sowing is we're bringing both by proclamation, as Adam said, of us sharing our faith with words, but also in demonstration and serving and being able to be a blessing wherever we go, bringing a positive attitude, even those sorts of things into our workplace, into our schools, into our families. Those are important things. All that is sowing into really the kingdom of God and believing that that's going to have an influence. We don't always see it right away. And I'm just going to highlight some of the different things that we're doing. And here's the important thing is that every one of us individually is able to sow. So we don't have to wait for a church event to sow. This is really cool, but it's great to have church events that sow. But every one of us, so it's not just, oh, Harvest Jazz and Blues is coming. I'll wait till September before I Every day is an opportunity to sow. So we sow wherever we are, just speaking truth and life and just who we are with the fruit of the Spirit, everything. That's all sowing. But there are things that we can do together to connect people in church life. And one of our greatest sowing opportunities is every Sunday morning. And if you heard Joel Virgo when he shared back in April, he said, and we talked about a lot afterwards, he clued in. And the same thing with us. Not every church context is like that. But folks, we have new people every Sunday morning. I don't know how they get there. I didn't invite them. I don't know if you invited them. But no matter where we go, even when we're lost and we don't know where we're meeting on Sunday, new people still come. They find us. They do a better job than even, and they're there earlier than the rest of us. (laughs) And one of the things we've identified, and we say it a lot, but we have to keep coming back to it, is... We just need to be a welcoming and friendly people on a Sunday morning. It's not complicated, but it's so important. And Leah Glant's going to be heading up our welcome team uh, now. Get ready. (laughs) And at our next family meeting, when we pray for Adam and Joanna, Leah's going to take the first part and just share more of an update on some of the things that we're doing a bit differently going to Devon Middle. We're tweaking some things about just being a friendly and welcoming environment And uh, as Leah would say, we're creating safe spaces for intentional community. Isn't that great, Leah? Oh, I know. So, I'll break it down for you really simply. If you get nothing out of what I just said, if you could do this. If your goal every Sunday was just to introduce yourself and to meet one new person a Sunday... That would transform things right there. Because out of 200 plus people and maybe five new people, the odds are if you meet someone new, that they're going to meet a whole bunch of new people. And we can't say, and people, I met with Peter Moore this week. This is a good example. Peter Moore is pastor at Douglas Baptist. And He had a three-month sabbatical, and I just met with him this week. We had a great conversation. So he had 14 Sundays that he was away from his church. He went to 14 different churches just to get, and and he said, because it was a wake-up call for him, he said, there were three Sundays, not one person spoke to him. And he said, it made me realize, I hope we're meeting new people at my church. And he was with us one Sunday. So I don't know if any of you met him. He said, we were not one of those churches. (laughs) It's like, I know I I I said hi to him that morning. I know at least one person said hi to him. Anyways, just the point is, it is a first impression, and it is the love of Christ. And a lot of people make, make their decision whether they're coming back to church or not before the meeting even starts. And so, anyways, it's just really important. And so we just encourage us also just to be mindful of why we do what we do. We do do different events that are purposeful and just connecting and different events have different reasons behind them. So we have what we call sort of our plowing events. And as we've done before with our Harvest Jazz and Blues, we had Brian Houston here last year. You come, you bring your friends, it's going to be a great time. But no one's going to preach the gospel. No one's going to pray for you. No one's, but it's an opportunity to, for people to meet each other, and that's sewing into building friendship, and that's purposeful in that. We did our Christmas carnival the last couple of years, the same 
thing. It's opportunities where you're like, I know, and Angela and I did it. We know we're going to invite our friends who don't usually connect with some of our church friends. We know they're going to have a good time, and they're going to meet great people. Good thing, only good things can come from that, let alone God working in that. We have again this summer the drama in the park, and these have more Christian content in them, but it's still open. Our Christmas Eve service, sometimes at our baptism, some of our kids' events, that it's just a different level of connecting people, but they're going to hear some different things from a Christian perspective. And then we have things like Alpha, and even some of the things we've done before uh, in different ways like that, that there's going to be an opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus. And as we explain our faith and all of that, all of those things you have to understand are really just sowing into what we believe God's going to use. And here's a great verse from Philemon, and I just think it's an excellent one. I'll just read it. Verse 6 says this, Paul says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. So part of our growth in understanding and becoming mature in Jesus, we learn when we share our faith. So sometimes we think we grow and it's in isolation. I'll pray it again. I'll say it again. I pray, Christ central, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Amen. All right, and last thing is in all these things, it's each one of us understanding that we're at stake in all of these four things and beyond, and that everyone is needed, everyone is important, everyone has a part to play with our time, our attitude, our money. And a question I have for you this morning, in those four things, which should cover all of us, and there's other things, obviously, well, we didn't talk about life group and different things. How can you be strengthened in being a stake in this church. And Dave McLeod, who couldn't be here this weekend, he and his family had to be away. He had a word a couple of weeks ago, and he shared it with me on a Sunday. I said, you know what? Let's just wait, because I feel like this is a great word for our church weekend. And I'm just going to read out what he said. He said, uh, last Sunday, idols were mentioned as an obstacle in some people's lives. I felt impressed by the Lord that for some people, their obstacle is more subtle. I guess it could be called their I wish I list. So I wish I dot, dot, dot list. That will make more sense. This develops by seeing others walk in Christ and then comparing ourselves to them. But what happens next in one's soul is critical. We can correctly appreciate another's gift or ability, but incorrectly disqualify ourselves. We can say to ourselves, I wish I was more outgoing like so-and-so. You get the I wish I now? Or I wish I was strong in the word like so-and-so. It starts out innocent, but tends to be a spiritual paralysis. This ends up in self-condemnation rather than recognizing the reality of God's grace. And this is a great line to end it. We should think more like God worked in their life. He can work in my life. God works in their life. He can work in my life. And so just in closing, it's not so much I wish, and you can think of different people. I wish I was more like Sebastian Venang. They're so welcoming and they can meet people from all kinds of different places, and they just do it so naturally. I wish I could be like them. I wish I could be at the front. I wish I could prophesy like Gary, but I'll never do that. I wish I could ministrate like Jody, but I could never. I wish I could lead worship like John. I could never. And that's what we can, or we can think, Adam and Joanna are so good at meeting new people, they'll do it. No, they won't. They won't be here. <laughs> and really this morning, I think to try to land this somewhere, it's again saying, not so much I wish, it's God, I'm available. 
and I'm going to get out of my comfort zone, and I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to lay down what I think that might look like, and I'm going to be open to God, you using me how you want to use me. And there's a dying part in that, and there's a life part to that. And for our church, and I know other people are here from different churches, it applies wherever you are, but for our Christ Central family here, reaching out into Fredericton, we've got some great tent stakes that need to be strengthened and driven deep, and that includes every single person. And so we asked this morning, in those four areas, maybe how can you be part of strengthening those stakes? Will you make yourself available, not to compare to others, not to be wishful thinking or someone else will do it, but how can I be used by God to be a part of growing this church, extending the kingdom of God for the glory of God and for the good of Fredericton? Okay, let me pray and then we'll figure out where to go from here. I have a few other things, but I want to take some time for us to be able to pray, so we'll fit those things in. I have some questions that, um, to help you with that. Maybe we can put them on the blog um, this week. I have some questions that are more specific, like how can I, yes, but how? I have some of those, but I want to take time to pray, so we can put those on the blog this week, and that will help you maybe flesh out the yes in your heart. We have some practical questions that will help you sort of activate those things, okay? So I'm just going to pray, and then we'll, in team, we'll figure out what to do next. All right, Father in heaven, we just want to thank you today again for what you're doing, God, all around the world, and we thank you that you have purposes and plans for you to be made known and through your people, and God, we thank you today for your church all around the world, those who you've called out and redeemed and bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and that you've dealt with our sin issue, and that you've given us new life in Christ. You filled us with your spirit, and now you call us in partnership with you to go and to make disciples of all the nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to teach all that you have taught and to remember all the things that you have, and for our lives now to be lived out for your purposes and plans. And God, I thank you for every person here, and God, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would help us to make ourselves available, God, that we would have uh, a willingness in our heart to say, Lord, I lay down things maybe I think and I'm willing for you to put into my hands what you want, God, and help me to be a good steward in those things. God, we really want to make a difference in Fredericton. God, we want to make a difference in all these different areas, Lord, that the gospel might go forth, that people from all these different ways will be saved and at it and brought to give you glory and worship. We pray that's our heart, Lord. We need you. So we pray that you would use us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.